connecting to the AOC Podcast Network. Enjoy your stay. What is AOC? What is community media? Maybe these are small questions, but they have big answers. So big, in fact, that we had to make a whole podcast about just that. The short answer is in our mission statement. Building an informed and engaged community through media, technology, and education. I'm Matt Roberts. Scott, Louisiana resident Becca Begno embodies positive energy and enjoys spending her time being surrounded by people. Listen to her hilarious take on life in this week's podcast edition of Community Quotes. benefits of being an AOC member by attending one of our orientation sessions. Classes are held on the first Tuesday of every month from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Register on our website at aocinc.org. We'll just start with say and spell your name. My name is Becca Begno, B-E-C-C-A-B-E-G-N-A-U-D. Awesome. Where are you from, Becca? Scott. Scott. What was it like to grow up in Scott? It was really kind of idyllic. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like Mayberry or Effie with a French accent, <laughs> if you can imagine that. Yeah, I can. And my aunt, she was like the secretary of the town, mm-hmm. except it was a village. And she had an office, and on the right side of her office in the same building was where we kept the fire truck. <laughs> and in the back of the office, the same building, was two, like, uh, cells that had, like, big, long windows. <laughs> so she was sort of like an Aunt B. But I don't think she cooked for the people, but we, we did. It was very much Mayberry. Very much. That's good to hear, because Scott's a great little community. It was. Yeah, definitely. So... And I'm not familiar, and I get shamed for this every time I ask, but is it really the, what is it, the beginning of the West or the, where the, okay. tell That's me that. Yeah. That's a real deal. Um, it's known as where the West begins. That, yeah. Okay. That had to do with the fare for the train mm-hmm. changed at Scott. Oh. One way was going to the East, one way was traveling West, and the, and the fares changed. I don't know if it was more expensive to go West or to come, to, <laughs> and come East, but that was... That was why, and it was on the front of, I think, Mr. Adolf Domingue's store, where the West begins. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's why. Very cool. So, in Scott, what was life like besides uh, Mayberry? I mean, what were you involved with or in? Well, it's hard to explain if you never lived in a small town. Okay. You know, because it almost sounds like we make this stuff up. (laughs) Okay. And then in a small town in southwest Louisiana, you related to everybody, at least, if not twice. <laughs> uh-huh. No, but this is true, right? Okay. So, all your friends at school are also your cousins. Like, what do you do with that? So you go sleep with your cousin, but then you don't go because they're related to you. They go, you go visit because they're your friends. Sure. So there's there's that. So my house, and I was able to buy. The house I grew up in. Oh wow! Okay, so my backyard touches the school. Mm-hmm. It was Scott High. 
until sure. they meet Acadiana. The front of my house faces the site of the church, St. Peter and Paul. To the left and across the street is the funeral home. You ready? You see, it's all right there. And then to the right is the cemetery. So what else do you need? <laughs> and then on the other side of the church is a little store. So you could just go around the church and go to the store. And then my friend lived before the store. And so she and I would visit and I'd walk her to her house and she'd walk me to my house. And we'd spend hours in front of church visiting. And then when, when I, I got old enough to ride my bicycle, I could cross the highway. Oh my God. And then I went to visit my other cousins and we'd go ride the bicycle all over town. Sounds wonderful. Because all over town was not too far. You know. And then I had an uncle, his name was Uncle Toby. He had a meat market. Well, it's kind of like, I don't know how to tell you that everything was fun. Yeah. But trust me, it was fun. Yeah. So we go see Uncle Toby. Now, a meat market in those days only sold meat. Mm -hmm. And it was cold. It had to be cold, you know. He sold meat. <laughs> and when we go to visit, he'd open a drawer. There was a drawer at the bottom of the cooler. Mm -hmm. And in the drawer, he kept some cold weenies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And he'd give us a cold weenie. I mean, like that was like better than ice cream. I don't know why we would get excited to eat cold raw weenies. Right. But, oh, we were just like... Simple times. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was like that. I don't know how to... And everybody knew everybody. You knew, you knew where they sat in church. You knew which mass they went to. And when you went to mass with your cousin, then you sat where they sat in church. And it was not where you sat or where your grandparents sat. And everything was like an adventure. Like, ooh, it was fun. It really was. Very cool. So after you, you said you went to Acadiana? The, the first year that it was a school first in 1970. Yeah. yeah. But that was a, a big, a big deal. You know, it was, it was huge. Yeah. I mean, Okay, mm -hmm. you know how we like to kid around. <laughs> Lots of people here like to kid around. So I could tell my children, I had to walk to school all my life, right? Oh, but I couldn't say that as a senior because I had to ride the bus. Right. Because all my life I just walked to the backyard. Yeah. Turned around. <laughs> and so that was a big change. And you sort of, when you go to school for 11 years mm -hmm. with your friends who are mostly your cousins, and then all of a sudden you're going to go to school with another school. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a rival, but... Yeah. Rivalries kind of and then part of Lafayette High, which usually you know any of those people. So like we had a year to choose colors and choose a mascot and choose a motto and and then go to college, it was um big, I don't know, mm -hmm. a, a challenge and disruptive maybe. It was just big. Just big. I could imagine. Yeah. It's not your normal freshman experience. No. Right. When I was in junior high I was in the band, and uh, our band director told us that we were going to probably graduate from the new high school. We didn't want to hear that. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we, I say we, sure. and some of my friends and my cousins, we just like cried, like, are you kidding me? Like, like are you going to take me out of Mayberry or right. D with the French accent and make us go to... <laughs> It was it was huge, and and they didn't have a name yet, right. so we called it Central High oh, okay. until until it became Acadiana. Yeah. So yeah, it was big things for us, yeah. for everybody. Yeah. So where did life take you after Acadiana High? Well, I went to UL for a year and a half or so, and then uh, I got married mm -hmm. and I moved to Baton Rouge. Um, I was only married once, and I'm not married now. But we stayed married for like 12 and a half years. And he had a degree from UL. So um, after a year or so after he graduated, he was still in school when we got married. We we moved to Baton Rouge and, and, uh, and I cooked supper on Friday nights for all our friends. So we had this little Cajun thing mm -hmm. going. So we had some uh, babinos and durwals and bourgeois and <laughs> cormiers and mm -hmm. us. It was... You know, we would watch kung fu and eat seafood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <what> I say? <laughs> no, I'm 
never put those together. <laughs> well, you know, it's Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So how long did you live in Baton Rouge for? 12 years. Okay. 12, yeah. Yeah. So how'd you end up back here? I got a divorce. You know, that changes your life. <laughs> and, okay. you know, in the 12 years of living in Baton Rouge, I was married. And then I had three children. Right. So I, I wasn't so much into what culture there was or not. When, you, when you're married and you have three children, that's kind of what you focus on. But I do remember that um, I always spoke French. We went to a Codafield meeting once mm -hmm. in Baton Rouge. And nobody spoke French. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't say anything, and I didn't want to say anything, but I was trying to hold back laughter. I'm like, how can y'all talk about developing French? None of y'all even speak French. What is this? But it was just the effort at the beginning of the French movement then, right. you know. Right. So there were things, and we always liked music, so we went to hear music a lot. Yeah. It's so funny, too, as you're speaking about speaking French. I feel like you're about to slip into French, and I'm I just could. along, for, along for the ride. I won't yeah. say anything obscene, no bad words, and no foreign languages. <laughs> I will keep it in English and clean well, as I can. <laughs> if you do happen to curse, just let us know so Please we can you know, bleep it out, because uh, I won't know if you're cursing. <laughs> you know the term, excuse my French? Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Um, that means, excuse me, I'm going to say some nasty right. things, and don't you correct me, so, but I won't say that. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, tell me how you first got involved with AOC. Hmm. Lord. I worked with Linda Boudreaux mm -hmm. with the extra mile. Jeez. No, I, I think it was, I don't really remember. <laughs> I, I know things happen, but I don't remember which happened Fair first. Yeah. You know, like, I'm going down the street. I know your house or the business is somewhere on the street. Right. But I don't know if it's in this direction or that direction. Yeah. So I was part of a um, a support group mm -hmm. for people who had mental illness. Mm -hmm. And if you're in Al-Anon mm -hmm. and you have a support group, you can take turns leading the group. Mm -hmm. But if you're bipolar, you can't necessarily take a turn. Sure. Because if you're too high or you're too low. Right. You're not functioning. Right. So we created this uh, support group. And, and I believe that was before I worked with Linda. Okay. So what I chose to do in order to facilitate mm -hmm. a support group when maybe none of us could actually facilitate, sure. um, I did a 10-part series at Acadiana Open Channel. Um, but that was before Ed was here. Mm -hmm. Like It was like very long ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I chose 10 topics that were sort of universal sure. to what you would experience at different phases of being in the hospital, out of the hospital. Uh, and it was geared towards people who had uh, bipolar affective disorder. Okay. And, and that way, people could put that in and, and learn something and then have a discussion about it. Okay. And nobody had to be in charge. Sure. So that was my first. Yeah. I don't even know where those things exist, or <laughs> if you could look for that. But right. um, the cameraman mm -hmm. was John Tompkins, mm -hmm. and um, John was a cancer survivor friend of mine, and he had um, mm -hmm. he had had throat cancer, or what do you call that? Yes, yes, he had a trig on me, <laughs> and so so he was just wonderful. Yeah, and. Uh, and, and I think he's the first person that understood that I was an artist. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't understand I was an artist, and <laughs> I'm just doing this because I like to help these people. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like <laughs> diagnosed, so that doesn't necessarily give you an artistic credential. Mm. You actually have an illness. What is artistic about being bipolar? You know what I'm saying? But he would call and he would say, are you ready? Mm -hmm. And like, he he knew he he understood the creative process. I didn't. Sure. I was just like, okay, yeah, I think. And mm -hmm. we'd pick a different place, and we did ten part series. Yeah. And it was the first time anyone that I can remember um, treated me like I had um, 
something creative going on. It's not like, okay, I want to do this, poof. There's, an, there's you know what I'm talking oh, about? definitely. The yeah. energetic thing. Well, I just thought I was, I don't know. I just thought I was diagnosed. I shall not say anything self-deprecating. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So I did that. And then when I worked with Linda Boudreaux, mm-hmm. she had the extra mile. I don't know if she still has her show. She retired, I want to say, like two years ago, finished her show. I was the first group of VISTA volunteers who worked with Linda. Okay. The Extra Mile was created to work with people who had mental illness, who had substance abuse problems in the form, and who had developmental disabilities. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do a lot of um, advocacy work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's really important, mm-hmm. if you want to help somebody, and you have what they have, like whatever you share, is to be okay with what you have. Mm-hmm. So I was totally okay to have a diagnosis. Like, you know, I have yeah. short hair. Right. I'm okay if you have short hair. Right. You know, because you can't help someone if you're always offended by what you have in common with them. If that makes any it kind does. of sense, like, I didn't care. And in the years after that, I realized only in retrospect, sure. you know, we're kind of like the crawfish. You figure everything out backwards. <laughs> you do it, then, oh, look what I knew, but I didn't. You know what I'm oh, saying? That's very human. That's every it's day. so human. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I had done all the, the yeah. I had done the AOC stuff, and I worked with Linda, and then later... When I started doing other things, nothing anybody said could ever really bother me. Because, like, well, yeah, you know, I have a diagnosis of mental illness, so what? It, it, it really was helpful. Sure. But I didn't know that in the beginning. Right, right. Yeah. That's uh, a unique perspective to hear from a community producer. It's very unique that it helped you to, yeah. So then I could go and address a group who, we did some work in schools, right? Yeah. Well, I'm not here wanting to help those poor people with mental illness. Right. I am one of those people with mental illness. Okay. So you can either be afraid of me or not, but I don't really care. Let's and so then when you remove the ability to be hurt, mm-hmm. then you can stand in your own strength and how you dealt with it. Yeah. So it became really big because later on I started doing healing work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know what people do when you tell them you do healing work? Really? They think. Yeah. And so, because is it from a lack of understanding? I I have no idea what it's from. (laughs) It it really doesn't matter. But it never bothered me, right? Because after I had the 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 privilege of doing advocacy work to overcome an illness I myself had, you don't think I cared if they said I was crazy? Well, yeah. So now what? Right. You want this energy work or you don't? (laughs) You want me to pray over you or you don't? It didn't matter. Sure. And that's, um, you can't necessarily, you can't give that, but later when I worked with people who had cancer, because I'm also a cancer survivor, and I would go, and they would say, you used to be bald? I'm like, yeah. It grew back. Right. You don't have to do too much, you know, it just kind of, and so the whole, um, it, it gives you an instant rapport. Mm-hmm with people who have what you had. It doesn't mean you're going to get over it. It doesn't mean you can do what I did and that would be good for you because it might not be good for you. But there's some like, well, if you can, I can, kind of. Oh, yeah. And so the whole ability to not be, if I wasn't bothered with the diagnosis, I sure couldn't be bothered when they laughed and I had no hair, huh? Right. You know, bald is... Bald was beautiful. It was at the time. <laughs> so going back to AOC just for a second. Okay. What was your first impression of AOC? 
Well, I liked it. You know, I mean, it was great because it was here and it was accessible to me mm -hmm. where I could talk to the community and not know how to do anything, mm -hmm. right? Because I didn't know how to do anything. John Tompkins produced sure. the show, so he knew how to run a camera and he knew about it. He hit the jackpot. Exactly, because yeah. I, I didn't know. But, but teaming up with him um, gave me the ability to help. And, and John was also a cancer survivor, and he understood what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it, was, um, it was wonderful. It's not something I could have done without AOC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really. So what surprised you most about AOC? That most people don't know that it's here. Mm -hmm. You know, my relationship long-term with AOC is at Festival International. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, how fun is that? <laughs> and like, it's fun. And I've been volunteering there since oof, 89 or 90. And so you get to meet the crew and meet the people and understand and I don't have a TV. So, <laughs> I think TV's cool. <laughs> but there's something real about having public access to something that you know is helpful mm -hmm. or or entertaining or is for the community that's a powerful thing mm -hmm. and so even though i haven't um become a well i'm a producer now but even though i didn't make shows and and get yeah. involved it was great and a long time ago dr Audemars mm -hmm. did the french show mm -hmm. uh, academy francais Mm -hmm. And he used to invite me a lot, and that was a way, good way mm -hmm. to bring, you know, local culture and local flavor to the people. And that was, yeah. it's just, it's just a, it's a valuable tool for us to get to know each other. It's a great way to put it. It is reciprocal. Yeah. That is definitely what we want to express to the community is that we can't be here without you. And we hope to some extent we want you to, for some purpose, like you said, you can't do it without us. So no. we just want that back and forth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So tell me, what is your dream project to work on or to produce? Well, I don't know if it's a dream, but I'm currently doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. I never dreamed about it because I didn't think I could do that, you know, <laughs> uh, because I don't have technical expertise. Sure. But I ran can I name names? Absolutely. <laughs> well, if they'll let you. Thing. Matt Roberts. Oh yeah, we name him. Yeah. yeah so sure. Matt was here when I worked in the olden days. Okay. Okay. And I ran the into Matt, days. and he goes, "Why don't you come back to AOC?" And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to do anything because I never got technical <laughs> over the years." Right. Right. You know. Uh, and he goes, "Well, you could do a podcast." Mm -hmm. oh, I said, "Well, what's involved?" <laughs> he said, "Well, I can teach you if you do anything often enough. You're bound to learn." And I, that's really, so mad. I'm learned. I've learned, and then today he showed me a new way, a new step. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's about repetition, mm -hmm. like a kid. Mm -hmm. And just because I'm not into all the technical, doesn't mean I can't learn. Mm -hmm. And so Matt has been why I came back. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know. I, I totally trust him because. <laughs> like I can't do it even if I didn't, right? <laughs> you can trust him. But I can trust him. So we I come in and I just do the podcast yeah. and then he decides when they I don't care how often it's done, it's done, <laughs> you understand? I and do. and then they're like sort of in perpetuity, I guess. You can always look it up. Yeah. So I'm not trying to create an audience or I'm just when I find someone and they have something to share about healing, then we just talk about it. Yeah. Like you and I are talking yeah. here. That's really powerful. That is. Yeah. And then if later on somebody wants to know, sometimes I say stuff I didn't even know I knew till I said it. <laughs> you're like you're having a conversation. Oh. <laughs> kind of like Steve Urkel. Did I say that? <laughs> you know, did I even know that? Right. Yeah. And where did that come from? Exactly. Like, oh, well. It's kind of nice. So it's it's a it's a um, I love it. I'm really glad yeah. for the 
for the opportunity to do that, and then I don't have to worry about a million people see it, because I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm sure a lot of people hear it. They don't see a podcast. But it's sure. like, that's not my business. My business is just to do it. Mm-hmm. And Matt is helping me repetitively. <laughs> to, And if Matt happens to not be here, somebody at the desk or somebody else knows, what button do I push? <laughs> I get close, you know. Sure. So it's been, it's it, the whole team here is a supportive team. Good to hear. Oh, let's see. What are you reading right now? What am I reading? Can I look in my purse? I don't know. I have a book <laughs> that someone gave me, and it's called Our Lady of the Lost and Found. Mm-hmm. And it's a novel <laughs> about like the Blessed Virgin Mary today mm-hmm. in a way that is it's funny but like it's not sacrilegious sure unless you offended then it could be sacrilegious mm-hmm. but someone gave it to me recently and sometimes we tend to read things to learn mm-hmm. you know like this is just kind of funny yeah but it, but whenever you tell a story there's always a bigger truth so that's what I'm reading now. Yeah. Our Lady of the Lost and Found. Very cool. You know. Yeah. She wears white shoes and she just looks like a woman. Yeah. Like a, a lady. Like a lady. Yeah. So it's kind of I don't know, I didn't get very far into yeah. the book. <laughs> so let's see. As a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I don't know. Yeah. Some people, you know. Randomly, I, wanted to be something different every week. That's why I always ask. I don't know. I'm still sort of waiting to grow up. <laughs> I agree. I, so, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I didn't have any role models of. Okay. I, I had lots of role models. Sure. But not professional success. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that. That wasn't important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, if you were a go, you were going to be a nurse or a teacher. What else was there? And the nurses and the teachers were your family members or community members. So there were no, like, for me. Sure. Uh, you know, I had some cousins that were nurses, and I had some friends that were teachers. But I think I just, I did want a family. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily a goal either. Yeah. I, I don't guess I did. When I grow up, I'll tell you what I have become. I like it. Call me back. (laughs) (laughs) I have my people call you people. (laughs) I wish I could afford people. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good, though. (laughs) If you could have dinner with five famous people from history, who would they be? Well, I would want, like, let's say a saint. Okay. Let's say Saint Therese. Now, which one is that? I'm not familiar. Therese of Lisieux. Okay. Her name was... Marie Therese Martin. Okay. My grandma used to say we were related. Okay. So. Right. Uh, my mama's name was Marie Therese. Mm-hmm. I have two granddaughters. They both have Therese as mm-hmm. a middle name. And her motto was little things with love. Mm-hmm. Which kind of like makes sense, right? Yeah. Because if you're not the boss, mm-hmm. and even if you are the boss, yeah, doing little things with love. So I would want to meet with her. She was in her 20s when she died, but oh, wow. she was real effective mm-hmm. in, in her, her life. And uh, so I would want to meet with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want to meet with, with like, uh, my grandma mm-hmm. or uh, my great-grandma who came here from France. Mm-hmm. Like... Well, what was that like? Yeah. She came with her husband and three children. You know, you moved to Baton Rouge and back here. Right. But would you want to go to another country Can you imagine? when you had to be on a boat and go through Ellis Island? What was that? What kind of, that was big. And then I would want to meet the counterpart of that. I guess those grandmas I'd like to meet. Right. The whole. My great grandparents. Because my grandpa's, my, it just gets too complicated for me to tell you, but <laughs> yeah, fair enough. My, one of my 
Let me just say it because then I, I can't get it straight any other way. Sure. My grandpa's parents came from France. Sure. On my mother's side. Okay. And and so that was the the Pelletier family and the Begnos also, at some point, came from France. Okay. But my great grandpa Begno married a Mouton, mm -hmm. so she was Cajun. Sure. And then the the Pelletier married a Morton, and she was Cajun. Wow. So there's a I don't think half of me is better than the other half. <laughs> Please, but so I would like to know the people that transitioned from another country yes. to this country. Yeah. And what was, yeah. what what were their dreams? Wow. Because it wasn't all easy that moving business. No, I imagine none of it was easy. No. Yeah. Wow. So I'd like to meet with them. That's a. I don't know. That's enough. That's lunch, a table. Dinner. My great grandparents in Saint Therese. That's enough. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, definitely. What are you most excited or passionate about? Now? Sure. Today, tomorrow. Today, being with you, this is exciting. <laughs> well, I'll give you that, but come on. What else? No, I think, well, I'm excited about, excited about things I haven't done yet that I want to do. I do have some goals. Um, I, I, I do some music. Mm -hmm. Because when I was in the band, I played drums as a child, so like I still do some percussion. Mm -hmm. And in 1995, I did a CD, and it's called Le Cadeau. Get it? I get it. No. Okay. So <laughs> then, I did that because I, I, because I thought I had to do that, right? <laughs> like I had no, no idea. No other option. Exactly. Like so, we recorded. A whole CD. And then last year in December, not to rush anything, I had a CD release party. Oh, okay. It was over 20 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and then I realized that, that that long ago that the CD was about healing. It wasn't really about music. Mm. It was a musical way mm -hmm. to talk about healing. Because mm -hmm. my good old pop Pelletier had been a a, a treta, a oh, healer, okay. and after I had cancer, I started doing that work. So I was like, well, so I did it. But then, what do you do with that? Sure. Well, from the year '95 until today, we're in 2017. All of a sudden, there's interest. Mm -hmm. Well, there was no interest in that when I was growing <laughs> up. You know, mm -hmm. it's like. It was just a part of our culture, right? But now there's a real interest in healing, mm -hmm. and how that combines with medicine. A lot of things. It just it's it's bizarre. So I understand that I had to do that then and kind of like not think about it, mm -hmm. and then think, whoa, maybe I can. Maybe people are ready for it now, like and they are. Mm -hmm. So I asked some musicians, and I won't name names in case they can't all come, but <laughs> everybody I asked said yes, because I'm going to do another CD. Mm -hmm. And the CD now is, what is healing to you today? Mm -hmm. You give me a song that you mm -hmm. think is healing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you crowdsourced. So like the first CD, it was just... It was about Catholicism, and it was about good pop, and it was about growing up in Scotland, whatever. Sure. It was just cultural mm -hmm. roots. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not going to ask you if you go to church or not, but, you know, maybe you don't even go to church, and maybe you're not even Catholic. I'm and married to Catholic. maybe you eat meat on Friday, and maybe you sin in other ways. I don't know. But the, the, the reality is those roots are still in all of us. Oh, yeah. So whatever you deem to be healing, I want to hear about it because those roots are in you. It doesn't matter how you vote, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't yeah. matter if you still go to church, sure. or nothing matters. So, so the first CD that I did in '95 will be something, and then this one is going to be current music, mm -hmm. you know, and then. That's going to serve as a soundtrack because I want to do a documentary about healing. Gotcha. So.
Yeah. That's my dream. Definitely. Very cool. I hope I live you long will. enough to see it come true. <laughs> so what is the significance of the title, Le Cadeau? Because I know it's also the title of your podcast. Well, okay. Being a healer here, known as Treter, yeah. is it's a gift of healing. Mm -hmm. Hello, and Le Cadeau means the gift. The gift. Okay. Yeah. But it was also, as a people, it's not just a gift of healing that we had, because every culture mm -hmm. has a gift of healing. Mm -hmm. Of course, if your culture isn't Catholic, then we can't believe that what you do is good, because mm -hmm. if it's not like us, that's just superstitious. Okay. And, and often people who are not like us think the same way. But today, when we have this global community, we can see that every group of people had within their their cultures sure. healers. So for you, is it a um, is it a religious or a, um, a, a for lack of a better word, a God based healing, or is it what is your healing type? I guess if you will, I'm trying to. It's hard to talk. About. Uh, well, I'm it's just trying to, to understand. Ask, not, yeah, to understand. So, and we don't have to talk about that. I'm just no. Curious. We can because it's it's important that I start to be able to be clear. Mm -hmm. I might not be clear tomorrow. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> but I can give you the clarity I have today. Fair okay. So, I, as a cancer survivor, right, I started doing healing because a nurse at the hospital told me I should look into Reiki. Well, now, what is Reiki? Reiki is a healing method from the Buddhist tradition and it's it's handed down mm -hmm. with Sanskrit symbols. It's not Catholic. Mm -hmm. So I started doing this, but I never let myself pray like the Catholic that I was, right? Sure. Because I'm not Catholic and this is Catholic. Fair enough. So I would pray for people but I would heal like this. Okay? Hmm. Then I wasn't always a good student. So, when you first go to learn this, you receive an attunement and you just become attuned, mm -hmm. whatever that means. And the second time you go for your second attunement, they give you symbols. Mm -hmm. And so, my teacher, she's called a master, told me to take these symbols and put them in a place where they would be safe because it was like sacred and secret. And I listened. And to this day, I have no idea where I put them. <laughs> I know you can see that coming in your eyes. I did. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So this, okay, so I have just, this is all I have going for me because I can't even pray for that. So I'm doing this, which is like Reiki and, I'm like, and whatever symbols need to be here, let them be here. Okay. Isn't that? Okay. Okay. So then, when I received my next level from another teacher, mm -hmm. and I don't think she was like, thought it was cute or too cool that I had continued to do this work with lost symbols. <laughs> but you know, I couldn't lie. So she, so she told me that I should learn something called healing touch. Mm -hmm. um, so I did. Mm -hmm. Now, healing touch is a way of, of working with energy mm -hmm. that nurses mm -hmm. have created because they saw lots of nurses following the same protocol but some people that that certain nurses worked with had a better rate of improvement sure. or sure. so then so then they did this around healership mm -hmm. and so for them healership came from source right because you know now this is professional so we're not talking about God, and we're not talking about Catholic. We're not talking about universal life force. We're talking about source, like creator. It has to be at this level so that Catholic people and Jewish people and Native American people and African people and, you know. Right. So everyone pulls from whoever their source yeah, so, is. So we're going to call source source because we don't all call it God. So then that becomes so that's your then I get to I get to I get to like train with nurses and I'm thinking well maybe that'll make me credible 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the nurses kind of want to be with some healer because that makes them credible in that way. Sure. So I did that for a while. And then I trained in something called awakening. Mm -hmm. And right now I can't tell you about it because I just can't remember the deal, but it was fun. <laughs> and I did it here, <laughs> the local person. And then I did some training after Katrina in a method called trauma first aid, mm -hmm. which doesn't sound good, but you treat people who have experienced trauma. Sure. You know, and and life can be traumatic. So there was that. And then um, at, at some point, we had created in Acadiana a holistic wellness network. Mm -hmm. And there was a lady there, and she asked me like that. She said, are you a traitor? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no, but my grandpa was. And like, I wanted to be a traitor, you know. Yeah. And she said, would you like the prayer? Yeah. And I'm like lady, you're not supposed to give me a prayer because I'm supposed to get that from a man. Mm. And then a man is supposed to give it to a woman and a woman is supposed to give it to a man. Oh, really? And like, I'm having this little conversation with yeah. myself. And I said, oh, yes, I would. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> so then she gave me yeah. the words of um, a prayer that she said was for sprained ankles, but could be used for anything. So instead of like, a, like a specific tretard, mm -hmm. I'm a GT, like a general. <laughs> That's kind of funny, huh? And then, and then I found out later, because I really didn't know who she was, that I went to school with one of her kids. Mm -hmm. And that was so, like, yeah. um, it was affirming. Yeah. And then um, I went to UL. First of all, I majored in nursing. Mm. And then I went back into fine arts. And then I was just going to do general studies, but... And I, and, and I found out there was anthropology because, like, I'm not sure if I knew when I graduated from high school in 1970 that was even a course of study. <laughs> not that. I no, just, it's true. Yeah. No. And so, when I studied anthropology, I, I had the the opportunity to study about healing, mm. not just in my culture, but I knew mm -hmm. it was in my culture. Sure. And so, sure, that's where all the healing stuff comes from. It's kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Well, this is going to be a silly question, I feel like, but what is Can I your... ask before? Absolutely, or but it, it's, a, it's on my list of questions, and I've asked everyone, okay. and they've given me different answers, and you can either go with what I think you might say, or you may have one that's totally different and unexpected. But well, if you tell me what you think, I, know. I can go with that. <laughs> <No>. Otherwise, <laughs> what is your superpower? <laughs> my superpower? Yeah, what's your superpower? Could you ask that in another way? Um, what... And this is why I'm saying maybe I've already heard the answer in just in a different way, but what is something that um, gives you an edge over other people or, get, you know, what oh, sets me? you apart? Yeah, you. <gasps> I think it's being able to laugh at myself. I can see that. Now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because yeah, I can go into any situation and it's hysterical, even if it's serious. Sure. Because... Okay, I won't, I won't say anything. Um, I had a modified right radical mastectomy. Okay. So my body part comes off. Mm -hmm. It fell out a few times. You know? Yeah. You got to laugh. You got to laugh. You, you have to walk around yeah. knowing that at night, part of me is going to be on the side of the bed and not with you. So like... In, and it's so bizarre mm -hmm. that there have been times when I could laugh at myself and there people say, oh, that's not funny. Right. And I'm like, well, you may not think it's funny. I think it's hysterical. And if you can't laugh, I'm sorry. And I don't tell them that. Sure. But it's your survival mode. I mean, really? Yeah. If I can't laugh at me, who can? Exactly. And if I don't take myself so seriously, <laughs> then I can, like, spread joy. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is, you know, you're you're healed to. It's not to add time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. If, okay, let me not bring it. But I have a son, mm -hmm. and I asked him one time to interview me for StoryCorps. Mm -hmm. You remember that? Mm -hmm. They came in this little sure. Airstream trailer, and they parked in Lafayette, and. One generation was going to ask the yep. other generation some questions. Well, my son 
I was very brave to ask him, but he said <laughs> yes. And so I had to answer his questions like right now. Right. And so we're really good at giving each other left-handed compliments. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, I know that's so well. He's like, well, you know, Mom, you're not exactly the greatest housekeeper in the world, <laughs> but but you know what to do when someone is dying. Wow. So there's a technician, you know, like like we have a cameraman, but sure. he's behind the scenes, he doesn't count, right? So they had this technician. <laughs> we couldn't do it without him, but he's invisible. So we had this technician in sure. this little trailer. So all of a sudden, the technician sticks his head between us and he goes, "Can I ask a question?" Really? Well, we're going to say no. Right. <laughs> so he says, if you're a healer, why do the people die? I'm like, are you serious? Because we have this um, unreasonable expectation that, poof, you're going to add, I'm going to die one day. It's okay that I didn't die of cancer yet. It's okay that mental illness didn't kill me in the throes of depression. But you're not looking at a lady that's going to live a thousand years. Right, right. So, so it gives sort of an unreal expectation to healing. Right. It can bring quality. You sure. can die healed but not cured. Mm-hmm. I deal with cancer patients. If they're going to die, I don't think they're not going to die. Right. But maybe if I work with them and they can better be okay with they can prepare better, prepare their family better, just be a little more at peace. Mm-hmm. So I looked at him like that, I was like, I didn't know what to say because <laughs> it's a huge thought. Yeah. Because you see, I'm a healer, but a doctor can just give you some pills and give you surgery. Well, maybe that's going to save your life. Right. But, right. oh no, they couldn't help me, so you can. Like, So anyway, I just, mm-hmm. I just said, well, you know, Gandhi died and Jesus died and Buddha died and right. we're all dying. Yeah. So it was like when people want to learn about healing, I usually recommend that they become a volunteer with hospice mm-hmm. because cause we're all going to die. Yeah. But we may not all get cured. Right. But we may be healed and die healed. So there's, mm-hmm. I, I think... Um, I forgot what your question was, but I think I answered it. Yeah, you did. <laughs> your superpower is being able to laugh at yourself, is what yeah. you were saying. And accept what is. You know, yeah. humor and acceptance, I think that's O. Yeah. H-A. Mm-hmm. Humor and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Ha. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I See? get that? <laughs> we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Best line so far. <laughs> what inspires you? Mm. I don't know. What inspires you? Yeah, give me an example. Well, this uh, conversation, what you just said about humor, inspires me to take those little struggles in my daily life and laugh. Because oh, goodness, that's all I can do. Don't be too proper. <laughs> and maybe that's my that's my not superpower. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, that, yeah. What inspires you? I think little children, mm-hmm. you know, um, I always liked to babysit, even when I was dating, mm-hmm. I would tell my boyfriend or whoever, my fiance, whatever, I'm babysitting tonight, you come get me when I'm finished, <laughs> because because children that, that haven't been totally abused, yeah. they live in the truth, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They can laugh with you, and and they're honest. Mm-hmm. But then, as soon as we have to start conforming, mm-hmm. and we have to, then they they kind of lose. You know, we all do that. You know, we yeah. have to. We have to. So I think I think children inspire me, or adults who can still be like sure. like children, sure. and creative people inspire me because mm-hmm. like you don't even know what you can do yet. <laughs> And that's that. Isn't that true? I mean, true. we don't know. But if you if you like this, because you shouldn't, mm-hmm. or someone told you you shouldn't, then you'll never know either. Mm-hmm. Like maybe uh, my mama. We were not always nice, but you know, 
My mom used to tell me I was too stupid to be afraid. Okay? And so fear. Yeah. I don't know what we were afraid of. But sometimes we're afraid of doing sometimes we're afraid of success. Sure. But but the whole thing of fear too is uh children are not afraid. You know, you say jump but they jump. <laughs> Children, I think, innocence maybe is inspiring. Yeah, definitely, definitely. One last question. Okay. Describe yourself in three words. Hmm. Old funny lady. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> funny old lady. That doesn't funny. sound bad. I don't know. I'm a lady. Good. I'm old. I'm funny. I don't know. I think that kind of goes with the theme. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're done. You well, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Keep up with all of the latest news, events, member information, and more by adding AOC Community Media to your social circle. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube under AOC Community Media. Joe Boosie Ferguson, Nancy Judice, Joseph Clisannon, William McFarlane, Matt Roberts, Skip Shannon, Christy Tracy, Jasmine Tillery, Jacob White, and Shahid Williams. Music in today's episode, Luna's Little Friend, Ukulele Instrumental by Ivan Chu, Irakosh Key by Nagno, The Long Goodbye by John Pazdan. AOC Community Media is located at the Rosa Parks Transportation Center, 101 Jefferson Street, Suite 100, Lafayette, Louisiana, 70501. For more information, go to our website at aocinc.org. Call 337-232-4434 or email info at aocinc.org. Until next time, stay informed and engaged. Thank you.